Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 17th of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will talk about clean hits and the faux retribution that teams feel they need to take part in when they see these clean hits. And um, we'll go around the league and talk about some teams that we think have uh, done well throughout the year. Um, the reason that we want to talk about the the clean hits with with the um, bravado that comes with it with the opposing team that sees their teammate get hit is it's it's just unnecessary and and the two examples would be uh, the Dion Phaneuf hit on Patrick Hornquist and the next night they're both Penguins related. Um, Evgeny Malkin lighting up Dan Girardi and they're clean hits yet we see melees after them uh, the thing that I, I find hilarious about it is Malkin was involved in both <laughs> he was in, in, yeah the complete polar ends of, of the situation and when he did the Girardi hit and they're coming at him he's sort of giving this like, what what did I do it's clean it's clean it's like well, what did you do the night before you idiot Exactly the same thing that these guys are trying to do for you. It's like, you know, I know Girardi was down f- for a little bit, but he got up and he got back in the game. But Hornquist was, it was like he was made of rubber. Whacked down, got straight back up, and, you know, off he went. He's sort of looking around going, what the hell are you doing? I'm all right. So it's just, it put the Penguins down two minutes on the power play, uh, in the penalty kill in the last section of the game. Um, it's exactly what you want Dion Phaneuf to do in that situation as well. I would want Chris Letang to step up there and make the exact same hit, um, even end up with the exact same result, second best player on the opposing team to sit for the last two minutes of the game. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, and the thing with the Phaneuf hit, um, I think it was on the later end of what I would consider the acceptable hitting time frame I think it was on the later end of it obviously but I think it was within the acceptable range here's what you have to understand about that when you watch that hit again Phaneuf is coming up to close the gap on Hornquist but Hornquist one touches it into the zone but Phaneuf can't assume that especially when the Penguins have been one of the more vocal teams about getting zone entries with carry-ins and other such things. You don't think the Maple Leafs have tried to kind of scout the Penguins and understand that they like to carry the puck in? So, yeah, you know, I get it. I can see why some people thought the hit was a little bit late, but I don't think Phaneuf engaged in that hit much at all. I think he gave him a, a baby bump. He, he didn't blow him up like he could have. And I don't think the timing was that bad. But there's what's the problem. The, I mean, like... What's the considered what's the considered time frame between someone touching the puck and the puck being gone and then someone being hit? What's the... Is, is it like a one, two, three count? Like, what's the normal time frame for it? Because when I do my... When I do my um, suspension system thing, I've got it as in the pucks, you know, within you know, three feet, three to ten, ten and beyond in regards to how I would 
um, number up the points and stuff. Now, if I if he hit him in the head, that puck was long gone. That puck was was at the red line at the other end because <laughs> he just tipped it, like you said, because it got thrown out. Like that puck was long gone. I mean, you could make the case that if you do it purely on puck location, it's interference because the puck's nowhere near um, Hornquist at the time, but he was committed to the hit when Hornquist touched it. He, he had no chance to pull out of that hit at all. So I get why you're saying it. He kind of be... did pull out, though. I mean, he didn't blow him up. No, but he, he didn't have time to not make contact. So, you know, I, I thought the hit was clean. I, I said so on Twitter. I got there and thought that's exactly the sort of hit I would want my defender in that situation to, to hit. I loved it. I thought it was great. I think about a second and a half two at the most well he was definitely inside two the puck was miles gone but that's because the puck was flying but he was definitely inside two if you watch it at full speed um and i thought the refs handled that well on friday night i th- I, I think malkin deserved the extra minor and i think the yes. maple leafs deserved to be on the power play um yep. it didn't happen to burn the penguins but Luckily. um I, I thought that the Maple Leafs certainly deserved to be on a power play there because I don't think Phaneuf did anything wrong. Um, but you fast forward a night later when um, Malkin hit Girardi clean. And then, you know, a lot of Rangers came towards Malkin. He's engaged with one of them. And then Mark Stahl's the third man in. And somehow that situation, which I don't think is any different from the, the night before, they're even up. They're, the yeah, Penguins like, should have a power play there. The Penguins are like, losing the, uh, a top five player in the world for two minutes and not getting a power play out of it. For What did he do wrong? That's where fans get the shits, I suppose, with inconsistencies. Like that's 24 hours later, basically the exact same situation. And what do you get? You get an even up and that's it. You don't get someone having a penalty or not. And it's just it's a little baffling in regards to that. And the NHL need to make sure that they give examples of that to the officials and get them to understand that you're either going to do it that way or that way. You can't do it both. And because they're so secretive with what they do with their officials, we don't know what the hell's going on. I think if they're a little bit more um, transparent in regards to what they do with, with the officials and and how they want the calls to be made and stuff, I have a feeling the fans would be a little bit more understanding. Yeah, and the biggest problem I have is I enjoy big, huge, clean hits. I think we all do. But we can't <laughs> enjoy them anymore because the game flow is just grinded to a halt every time one of those happens because somebody from the other team has to challenge the guy who made the clean hit and I'm just tired of it and I hope the NHL officiating starts to take the extra guy like they did against Malkin on Friday night yeah as opposed to evening it up like they did with Malkin on Saturday night like we have so many of these bad hits and I know our website is very harsh on those bad hits but we still enjoy the good hits, very oh, yeah. very much so. And 
I'm, I'm just tired of the good hits being ruined because of this faux bravado, tough guy nonsense. Like, you know, your guy had his head down. He got hit clean. You got to deal with it. End of story. Yeah, that's part of, that's part of hockey. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in regards to the flow of the game getting all chopped up, but you're right because someone lays out a big hit. The next minute, you know, there's a crowd of people. The linesmen have to get in and separate, and then throw people in the box. You're exactly right. the The flow of the game does get chopped up. It's it's a little silly. The, but like the guy that throws a clean hit that you want him to throw, what like I just don't understand. Why it's got to get to that point. But but it's not up to the players. It's up to the league to dictate this. And the league needs to take the the bull by the horn in this regard and and start to hand out the extra minor to the the opposition team that can't handle their their own guy getting hit clean. The officials are reluctant to always give out the extra minor. Always have been. They're like, oh, I don't want to give a power play. I don't want to affect the game. Well, by not giving out the extra money, you're just condoning the behaviour on the ice anyway. So you've got to punish the person that does the infraction. I've, I've never understood that with hockey. It's one of the few sports I know that is more than happy to let um, lesser talent drag down the higher talent. You don't see that with basketball. And from what I can, what I can garner from watching football, those little yellow flags come flying out as soon as anyone touches a star these days if you're a freaking... Um, wide receiver so it's it's one of those things where they don't exactly they don't exactly make it easy for the superstars to be exactly that correct and all i want is we don't get too many of those big clean hits anymore and since we watch the penguins a lot we we actually got two of those in back-to-back nights i want more of them yeah, I agree. So let's not punish the people that deliver those checks. Let's punish the um, people that can't handle the fact their teammate got hit by one of them and and yeah. give the extra minor out like they did. So It would certainly... Um, that would stop Malcolm's reaction in that situation in, in eventually, you would think. Yeah, because... Let's be honest, if, if Toronto scores a power play goal there and ties it up, you know, there's a tangible penalty there. Tangible cost. It didn't happen that time, but over the course of time, if every time you challenge a clean hit like that and you end up taking a minor penalty, people will stop. Well, that or they're just headbutting themselves against the brick wall. So, you know. But that's pretty much our rant on that. We're going to change things up and go in a positive direction and, and talk about some of the NHL teams that we think are looking pretty good this year. And um, I know we were talking before the podcast and... Uh, well, she likes the Blues quite a bit. Well, it's hard not to. They've basically got the best line in, in hockey at the moment. They are absolutely flying. 
and the rest of the lineup just sort of seems to be doing what it needs to do. I mean, you you if you try to find a weakness, you made a good point. Their bottom pairing in their D could be stronger to match it up with the rest of the depth of the roster, but. There's, there's nothing in that lineup for me with St. Louis that particularly worries me. They're in a situation here where they've just got to get to the playoffs healthy. Yeah. Um, loads of forwards who can do damage, and they have a top four defense that are pretty solid. I, I suppose if you, you know, want to get picky, they're goaltending. Um, but Brian Elliott's one of the... Um, goaltenders he he may be the goaltender in the last three years that has the most quality starts um and jake allen is is a prospect goaltender that i i'm not so sure he's he's going to give you less than league average goaltending which is all a team like that needs so yeah they've got and that's the thing i mean if one of if ali goes on a streak where he goes downhill allen can definitely step in and, and hold the fort and then take over if they feel like they want him to, or until Elliot gets back on his feet and he's he's okay. There's so much to like about about that St. Louis team, the way they coach, the way they play. They're just they're fun to watch. I suppose it's the other thing for me is that they look like they're enjoying themselves on the ice, but they're not. It's not clutch and grab. It's not shut everyone down. It's not boring hockey you know what i mean it is good fun hockey to watch so you'd like to see that succeed to be honest <laughs> hopefully because you know copycat league hopefully they can win and everyone can copy them well that wasn't always the case with the ken hitchcock coach team oh, very different from what i'm used to saying with, with ken hitchcock but it's a nice change but he has um come out in recent memory and embrace the advanced statistics he he's he came out and said i had certain lines that i thought were were gelling together but i looked at the numbers and it, it said the opposite and he's actually changed those up in the past well, year so um, he won't be separating that current line no no that this was more last year than this year but yeah. um just the fact that they're kind of looking at that stuff now and they have that kind of roster, it it's pretty dangerous. I believe I did pick yeah, them to win the Central. I didn't. The team I picked to win the Central's <laughs> last. <laughs> I picked them to make the playoffs too, so I'm in Whoops. I'm in that boat. <laughs> Hey, look, it could still happen, but it's a long way back from there. It's the problem. It's the thing that's funny with points this time of the year. You get further and further into the year, and people sort of try to look at it as, as if the points at the latter end of the year are more important than now, but they're not. I mean, you could basically say that with three or four teams that are out of the playoff hunt altogether now, it doesn't matter how good a run they go on through the middle of the year, they're basically toast because of how many points they've they've let go this time of the year and it's like that sucks you know it's tough i tell you i tell you who else i've found surprising from the central is nashville and winnipeg and i you and i are both not particularly big fans of andre Havlik. 
Um, no, I'm not. No, and on past performances, um, you've got every every reason to state your opinion on that the way you have. But this year's been different. I watched a couple of Winnipeg games, and um, he looks like he's in better control. He's not giving up as many retarded rebounds, and he's able to see a lot more shots. So I don't know whether something's changed with the team in front of him or whether he's just improved out of nowhere, really, when you think about it, because he certainly wasn't trending in this direction, um, and whether or not he can maintain this this level of play. But he's the reason that they're fourth in the central and, and flip-flopping out of a, a guaranteed spot at the moment. So that's surprising for me, because I didn't think Winnipeg w- would be a shot to to make either of the wildcard spots. So Well, he's also going to be the reason that they don't hang in there. Yeah, it does. It, it, it literally does ride on him. Well, good exactly. luck. Good luck to Winnipeg. <laughs> they hey, they done... played him yesterday, and then they played him today. He gave up four goals today instead of going with the backup, even though Data says don't start the same guy back-to-back days. Especially don't start a guy that is so well below average. And yeah. they did have a valiant comeback on Minnesota tonight. They um, were down 3 nothing, tied at 3-3, and lost in overtime. But I, you know, perhaps I'm wrong, but I'm willing to, to go out and say Andre Pavlik is not going to be a reason for success for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, his numbers previous to this year, you've got every right to say that. His numbers this so far this year, though, aren't suggesting that at the moment. It's the funny thing with all this stuff. You get there with sample sizes and, and look at those sorts of things, and 20 games is, is basically where everyone's sort of hitting to, which is about large enough to start picking off some numbers, and his numbers so far this year go against everything else he's given us. So history would suggest that he won't maintain these numbers. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know why this year's any different. Magical. That's, yeah, I've got no, I've got no reason to think those numbers will stick. But whilst they are, they Winnipeg are, are doing okay. You know, they're a lot further up than I thought they would be. Um, so they have some good players for sure. Yeah, but there are holes in that roster. That's sort of what I mean. And usually when there are holes in a roster, you, you, you require a good goalie to patch them up, i.e. the New York Rangers. Um, and Pavlik is, is not that. So that's why it's a bit surprising to see Winnipeg where they are. I'm just trying to look at the numbers right now for Pavlik. Nine, two... He is. Yes. Trying to find it. <laughs> 23rd overall in even strength save percentage this year. So it's not like he's doing terrific. And this is out of goalies that have played 100 even strength minutes, which is about um, three games. So it's got some backups in there. But, you know, he's not playing lights out by any stretch. He's playing right around league average. But that's better than what he was last year. Correct. 
It's an improvement. And that's that's the thing. That improvement in him is is probably been the difference between Winnipeg being fourth and Winnipeg being seventh, I suppose, because it's only five point gap between Winnipeg and Dallas. So it's the thing at the moment. You win a couple, lose a couple in a row, and the standings change really quickly. I mean, Nashville are uh, showing the worth of, of having a world-class goaltender in net. I didn't expect Nashville to be second in the Central, and Pekka Rene is certainly helping out with that. And so is their first line, which yeah wasn't their first line last year. You have James Neal, Mike Ribeiro, and... Philip Forsberg. How good's Forsberg been? He's been great. He's been terrific. God, the Capitals just ugh. butchered that. But oh well. Yeah, they. There's no going back from that. Nah, it's it's frustrating if you're a Caps fan, but you you can't do much about it now. But yeah, they've been. It's been good. That Central Division's a bitch. I think we say that every week whenever we do this. It's like that central division is so tight. I, I, I think a team that is going to emerge from that central division, um, I know both of us thought Dallas was going to be this team, but they're not, apparently. Not um, at the moment. No. No, they're, they're, they're not. Um, Minnesota. Minnesota is going to be very good. They are the number one score-adjusted Fenwick team in the NHL. At um, They're in the high 50s, 57, 58% range. Um, that's terrific. And they've been doing it with Zach Parise out of the lineup, who, who came back tonight and, and scored two goals. They've also been doing it with the power play that's been just brutal. You might as well just decline the power play that's been that bad. So they have pieces in place. You know how sometimes we, we look at teams like Toronto and Colorado and we look at their possession and, and we say that their possession's so bad and their their other numbers are what's propping them up. Minnesota is the opposite. They have terrific possession in some of these other areas in their game, um, specifically their their goaltending, are keeping them down. So when does okay? So you and I both agree that goaltending is pretty important. You've got to get at least average goaltending. Yeah, to, you just strive for average. So so when are those when are those particular numbers going to flatten out for them? Because you know they're not doing badly. I mean they've got twenty points out of seventeen games. So this isn't this isn't going to cost them a spot in the playoffs, but yeah, but they currently are the sixth worst at even strength. They they only have an even strength save percentage of nine oh six. Nine twenty one to nine twenty three is league average on any given year. Um And they, that's with Darcy Kemper having shutout after shutout at the start of the year as well. Correct. And Josh Harding should come back for them. So that's that's a tough thing. Josh Harding's played great for them. Um, he hurt himself in that melee. The dust up. Yeah. Um, earlier in the year, and he's um, approaching being healthy again. But 
he has the MS. Who knows the impact that, like, that's such a interesting goaltender situation. Their best goaltender has just these interesting variables. It's funny. I never used to really think of goaltending in Minnesota to be a problem because, you know, Backstrom was always, you know, at least league average and he hasn't been for a bit. Harding came in and was Lights above out. league average and he's now ill. <laughs> and then Kemper is, is, it's like he's on a trampoline. He's up and he's down. He's up and he's down. So it just feels weird that the goaltending position in Minnesota is, is what's holding them back. But Well, just to put it in perspective, um, last year they were third overall at even strength save percentage at 9.33. And right now they're sitting at 9.06. That's that's an incredible drop off, even with the small so, sample size. So even if that even if that just gets to average, then they're going to be much improved. That's the the reality of it. It's just a question of whether the whoever the whoever it is in that rotating door can balance it out and, and get them back to at least league average. But I if not if not, they could waste a good possession year. I don't think they will. I think they will get better on goaltending, and I think they will get better on their power play. They have to get better on their power play with the talent they've got there. That's uh, yeah. That's, I, I don't. I don't yeah. have any um, reservations about that. Um, just being the top possession team in the NHL, eventually they're going to see results as some of these other things level out. So I think they're in a very good spot. I think they're a team to watch moving forward that could be dangerous. And I, I don't think either of us had them making the playoffs before the year. I don't, I don't think so. I so think we had them as like the, the ninth out of the eight Western teams. Yeah. I'm okay admitting not seeing this, but I, I didn't, I didn't see it. I, yeah. Just you get there, and, and some of the the young guys have come up, and their stars have played like stars, and then they've managed to fill the fill the hole of Parise when he's been out. So, and then he comes back tonight and fills the net. Yep, it's all you can ask for, really. So it's it's nice. And they got to yeah. just love the fact that the Islanders handed them Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, for, was was that just a straight up for Clutterbuck? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Nino's been good. And he's good fun to watch, too. Uh, speaking of the Islanders, um, I suppose in that Metropolitan Division, they're probably the one team that interests me the most in that they've sort of lived up to preseason expectations, I suppose. Some people's preseason expectations. Yeah, well, they made the they made those changes and and it all looked all looked pretty positive. It's just a question of whether it would come together, and it, it seems as though the players are doing what Garth Snow hoped they would. <laughs> no, I like the Islanders. I I I was bullish on the Islanders before they did the boy Chuck Letty, and and now that they have, I just think um, you know. I think they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. It helps that the Metropolitan Division is not particularly deep. 
as well. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Here's the funny part. I'm looking at it right now. The Islanders have a plus four goal differential. They're in second place in the Metropolitan right now. The only other team that has a plus, Washington has a plus one. They're sitting in fifth place. The Penguins have plus 25 in first yes. place. The Islanders are second best at plus four. That's incredible. Yeah. I Look, I, I thought I thought the Penguins would win, maybe win the division, but um, it would be close, mainly because of the changes that happened in Pittsburgh and, you know, the Islanders and, and the Rangers, you know, being good sides. But it looks like Pittsburgh are going to run away with that division again, um, and it's going to be a fight for... Well, for two, three, and four, I suppose to see who ends up in the who ends up in the the playoffs. But the Islanders almost feel like they're going to be a shoe in for me. They're going to win, you know, over the course of ten games. They should win six, six and four, or seven and three as a rule. If they, they do that now, a... they'll be just fine. Yeah, I, I can't I, I, unless there's a major injury or anything like that. Because Tavares hasn't really been lighting it up either, and they're winning. You know, like last year, he was just. He was the whole reason they were winning games. This year, it's a much more spread effort. It's been great for the Islanders. So when Tavares hits his straps, they they're going to be very very difficult to beat at particular stretches through this year. So, and everyone knows Halak can go through patches of ridiculousness as well. So, you know. But they, they have they... Johnson behind him. So. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be okay. Tavares is still a point-of-game guy. I wasn't saying he's playing badly. It's just just one of those things where maybe just in my head I was expecting him to be more than a point-per-player game. Just my expectations of of how good I think Tavares is. He still probably will be by the end of the year, but he's he's not um, producing at that pace yet. No. You're right. I think he will pick it up eventually though yeah oh, that's that's the thing it's like just wait till he hits his stride hits his stride they'll just be so much harder to, to beat as well that that'll be the the thing with the islanders there's a lot of potential sitting in that roster that if everything clicks at the right time i don't think i want to be playing them in the playoffs no that that is a dangerous team and <laughs> and who's to say they they don't make trades to improve themselves I would I would think that that Snow would would be feeling that way inclined. They've got pieces to move and they've got cap space to use. So the higher they get in the standings, the more they screw the Sabers over. Oh, forget about that. Yeah, sorry Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo at the time of that trade probably thought they were getting a lottery pick, another uh, selection yeah. at McDavid, but yeah, yeah, didn't. Didn't quite work out that way. Now, now, mind you, that Fanic trade was still a terrible idea for the Islanders, but um, it's not looking like it's going to cost them quite as bad as originally thought. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I suppose one of the the other big things for me um, uh, is the Rangers. They've left they've left four points behind in the shootout so far this year already, and that's only in seventeen games. So, I mean, they could quite literally be at the same same point total as, as the Islanders. So the Rangers have either got to start winning games in OT 
or they've got to start putting some goals goals behind the opposition's goaltender because they it's the range on the Rangers. The Devils missed out in the playoffs last year because of a terrible shootout record, and that was a lot to do with Berter being a complete pig. True, but they have Lundqvist in the back of the net. Correct. The Rangers, so you get there and go. They've got to start putting the puck behind the other goalie because they can't afford to leave points because they're, they're floating around that three to five spot in that division. And it, it, I think there's going to be four from each Eastern division that gets in. So you don't want to be fifth. No. I don't suggest that. You never want to be fifth with this current setup. You're, you don't want to be at the mercy of the other division. No, that's true. I kind of forget it's a crossover. Well, you could have five from one division and three from the other or four and four. Yeah. And and you're just – I personally, I don't like the current setup, but – that just no, I don't think anyone does. I, I, I haven't heard anyone say this new this new setup is a good idea. I just like the whole one to eight philosophy. I thought that was great. But NHL, I wouldn't no. mind not having divisions at all and just you want straight to go one conference. To yeah. Actually, speaking of uh, the other division, how good are Tampa? Very good. And they still need to get Hedman back yet. Second highest goal differential in the Eastern Conference with plus 18. Only Pittsburgh better at plus 25. And much of their most recent work has been done with the aforementioned Victor Hedman, who's a terrific player. And Stamkos isn't carrying that team either. That's the other thing that I think is impressive with Tampa now, is that he, it doesn't all evolve around him, which is great. He's doing well, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, That's, he's yeah, got he's 11 a... goals in 18 games, which is pretty great. But um, exactly, you know, they're not living and dying by Stamkos alone anymore, and that's that's the sign of a team that, that's going from developing to being a good side. You know, it's it's one of those things where once the the best player on the team doesn't have to do everything on his own, you go, all right, this team's almost there now. So it's just a matter of them wrapping it all up in the playoffs and getting it right in the playoffs. So for me, with Tampa, the rest of the year feels like it's just an audition, just to tweak and tinker with things and get things right and hope that no one gets hurt. They're a well-built roster. Um yeah. Stamkos is 11th overall in scoring with 19 points in 18 games. His center that's right below him, Tyler Johnson, 19 points in 18 games. Stamkos has more goals, but Lightning have two two centers that are producing right now. Yeah. So they're not they're not giving up a stack load of goals either. So I mean, I probably want a few less, but. Bishop looks like he's going to be able to do the job. He just needs to not break in half. Um, and I think Tampa will end up winning that Atlantic division. Now, I don't, for some unknown reason, I just don't think 
anything good about Montreal. I've watched two or three of their games now, and I watch them, and I still can't work out how they're winning. I just don't get it. And they've won six in a row, so I have no reason to sit there and go, these guys are no good. I just don't like the way they play. And they're winning. So I probably should, you know, get slapped in the face a little bit for it. But I just, I don't understand how they're doing it. Well, I'll back you up here. Montreal is currently the 22nd ranked team in score Justin Fedwick, which is an accurate way of um, predicting future success at 48.6%. So they're below that 50% barrier. I think they're riding um, some fortunate bounces at this point in time. That's not to say that they can't improve their possession, but if they don't, um, I wouldn't exactly be comfortable with saying that they'll continue on the success. Is is an equalizer of that statistic Carey Price? Uh, part of it is they're they're the sixth highest PDO team in the NHL, which is the luck stat. So luck, luck is yep. Um, Carey Price. Uh, they're only ranked 11th overall for even strength save percentage, but that is obviously above average. So, Michael Terry and teams are classically not known as good possession teams. No, and they win. And until it all goes until it all goes to the pack and they have to get rid of him. Sometimes they win. Pittsburgh won until it until the team stopped listening. Pittsburgh was going to miss the playoffs if they stuck with him in 2009, and they ended up Stanley Cup champions. The year before, the only reason they were any good was because Marc-Andre Fleury had his career year. Carey Price is in the same situation. There's no reason why it can't happen again. So they are currently sitting atop the Atlantic Division, but much like you, I have my reservations about their ability to... um, stick there I mean their goal yeah. differentials plus 8 so that's pretty good um, Tampa's like plus 18 you get there and you go you can see the difference in regards to the way they play correct but plus 8 is third best in the conference which speaks to the Eastern Conference not being that great it does big volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. It, that is funny. Montreal's third overall at plus eight. Tampa's second, plus 18. Huge jump. And then Pittsburgh, plus 25. Another huge jump. There's only two teams in double figures in the East. <laughs> yeah. And only three in the West. But... um. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh and Tampa are your two dogs, top dogs in the East, with New York Islanders being kind of that dark horse team. And Boston, this, we'll see what happens with Boston. They're, they're in some injury trouble right now. That, that's the thing. I think they're doing brilliantly. <laughs> I know they. I know they had a couple of stinkers there last week. Um, that they they were terrible in. Don't get me wrong, but they're they're above five hundred. Their goal differential is still in the plus. 
And if you look at them over the last 10, they're still 7-3. and three. You'd take that any day of the week. So, yeah, they might have some terrible games where they might get blown out, but they're still winning games. So... No, it's, a good, really it's a good sign for and and let's be honest, Tuka Rask has been crummy. He has not been good. Yeah, and I don't, you and I both can't see him staying at that level. I can't see him. No, I I, I like so, him as a goalie. So yeah, I can't I can't see that. But like they're they're missing Krejci at the moment, and obviously Char is out as well. I I just thought if they could stay five hundred with Char out, they're doing well. And they were doing that with Craigie in the lineup. Without Craigie in the lineup, they're a little bit below 500. So I think you, you can't really ask for much more from Boston at the moment. I think some of the Boston fans are a little bit tough on what's happening on the ice at the moment. If those two guys get back and they're still playing crummy, um, I'd start to show some concern, but I can't see that happening either. Now, um I'm not going to rule out Boston as as a as a team in the East, but but they do have some more hurdles this year than previous. Yeah, yeah. they're they're. I think Tampa's eclipsed them in that division. Yeah, I, yeah, I I I agree with that. But we'll see. I thought I Dallas and you thought Dallas were going to be good, so. Yeah, we we make our mistakes. We'll see. We'll see with Boston. Do you think Gonchar is going to help Montreal before we move on entirely? He's not going to hurt him. This is a team that iced Doug Murray last year into the conference finals. So, I suppose that's an improvement, really, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Um, I like the Gonch. Yeah, I know. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> he, um, you know, he's he's not what he was, clearly. He, he's a bottom-pairing guy now, but he is still a what I would consider a power play specialist. And Montreal has got the 26th-ranked power play right now. So I, I can't work that out with that talent they've got out there. But there think about like, think, going on. Think about getting... Um, PK out there with Gonch, and you, you throw Pacioretty out there and, and maybe Placanich. You got something okay going on. Yeah. I just think PK needs a little bit of assistance on that power play, and Gonchar is the perfect guy to do it. Gonchar is not going to kill it at even strength anymore, but I, I still think he has value on a power play. Well, he's still got that shot. He, so. he can moonwalk that blue line. Yeah. It does look quite quite nice. <laughs> Man, he, he, he was good. When he was good, he was good. Now he's a specialist. But at least it's a talented form of being a specialist. Oh, excuse me. Um, I don't think I've really got much else. I suppose the big surprises for me over in the West would be Vancouver and Calgary. They'd be the, the ones that, in regards to being pleasant surprises at the moment, you know, second and third in the Pacific Division, they really kind of have no right to have 
won as many points as they've won so far. I have more confidence in one of those teams than the other. Even though the one you have no confidence in does have a goal differential of plus nine? Is that Calgary? It is Calgary. I don't have any confidence in them. No, but you know what? I kind of do because I have confidence in Hiller. I like Hiller, but you can't save the 28th ranked possession team in the league. You can't. Why not? You can't be that low. Why not? Valama did. Well, if you wanna, if you wanna put, I'm not putting my house on it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying it happened with Colorado. Why can't it happen with Calgary? They, that that Calgary roster, I actually think, is better than Colorado's roster last year. And that sounds very wrong because of the top end talent that Colorado had last year. But in regards to depth, getting everything you need to get out of your entire four lines and your back six, that Calgary roster, they're getting everything they possibly can out of anyone. They lose Giordano, their season goes down the drain. Don't get me wrong. But they can't get much more out of what they're giving. I mean, they might run out of gas, and that might be more what you're you're hinting towards. But there's no reason why Hiller can't do what Valamov did last year. Well, I think I found the difference. Yep. Last year, Calgary shot 7.86% as a team. Yep. Want to know where they are currently? I'd say somewhere high double figures from what you're about to tell me. They are the number one shooting team in the NHL at 10.16%. It's not as high as I thought it would be, but they're number one, so that's a big change. Yeah, that's not that's not going to stay. Why not? Because they're not good enough. Okay. The, the teams right below them are Tampa and Pittsburgh, who have plus 18 and plus 25 goal differentials because they have and high they, talent. And they have the high in talent. Yeah, you know, no, I just thought I'd ask the question. So... I'm not expecting Calgary to be there either. It's just one of those things where you get there and go, well, freaking Colorado did it last year. Why can't Calgary do it this year? Well, And you've given me a couple of decent reasons. <laughs> well, no, Calgary – or uh, I'm sorry, Colorado rode the high PDO last year, and, and you're right. I, I just – for the reasons that you mentioned earlier, Calgary doesn't have that high-end – No talent that you're expecting to continue on with that so like you said they're gonna rely on a bit of high pdo to to get those bounces that you need that you're not gonna you know because you don't have that sniper of the high-end talent to finish off stuff so you know colorado did have that high-end talent last year you can't rely on your on giordano to be your top-end talent sniping everything it's too hard from that back there yeah, I, I. Plus, throw in the fact that it's a Western Conference team. It doesn't matter what division they're in; they're up against it. Yeah, it does suck to be a. It does suck to be a middle of the pack team out in the West. You don't really get a night off. No, not at all. I mean, Edmonton just lost to Arizona. I don't know what to make of that Edmonton team. I really don't. 
you watch them a little bit, you think they've improved, and then really they should be beating Arizona, particularly when Devin Dubnik was the starting goalie. And they lost 2 1. <laughs> Hockey. It's brilliant, isn't it? Well, you had mentioned Vancouver, yes? Yeah, that's the, that's the other. And that's the one you've got more, more belief in than Calgary. And I think you basically just answered why. They've got better top end talent anyway. Well, I'm looking at it right now. And for the reason I thought I liked them better. Yeah. If you can believe this, what? Well, well, why do you think they're better this year than they were last year? What what changed for them that you feel as though? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I feel as though the team's a little bit happier. I know that sounds stupid. There's no, there's no sort of yeah. Way that, to, that's true. I mean, yeah. but for, for me, that's that's really the only difference. I mean, yeah, they've got Radon about it to play with the with the twins, and you know they've gotten rid of a, a couple of cancerous problems that was in, in their roster. For me, it's for me, it's the only feel for them playing better is that they're just happier. They're enjoying their hockey again. And that's that's why they're playing better. They, they're not free wheeling, but they're, they're definitely better. They had one more addition, though. And that, well, come on, tell me. Um, well, so you think it's the Miller difference? I thought it was, but apparently not. Okay. They're ranked 29th. In the league at even strength save percentage. Below 900. They're at 899. He's got the most wins in the league, hasn't he? That's why I don't like that stat for a goalie. I don't like that stat for a goalie. That's a, that's a team stat. And I, oh, the, the flurry <laughs> defenders will die on that hill. Wins, wins, yeah. wins, wins. And it's like... Are we really going to pretend like another average goalie couldn't come in and get those wins? Yeah, well, he Miller. Ryan Miller's ranked fifty-one overall, even strength save percentage at nine oh two. That's brutal. What's his penalty kill save percentage? Okay, I will have to. Sorry. No, I that's hear, okay. I can hear you clicking your mouse, so I know you're, you're flying through all these stats. Okay, let's see here, Mr. Miller. Seventh. So it's not too bad. No, not not too bad at all, but that's you can't count on your save percentage when you're trying to kill a penalty. It's a volatile stat. It goes wildly up and down any year, uh, even for the best goalies in the league, yeah, like including was, Henrik Lundqvist, who's terrible. I think last year, but yeah, I, I, get, I get what you mean. No, like, I understand. You look at Henrik Lundqvist's career; his even strength save percentage is on just an impressive, even plateau. But his save percentage when the Rangers are killing a penalty, it, it's just up, down, up, down, up, down. Now, mind you, his is above the league average, up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. The... <laughs> but, but the fact that you can't count on where he is for that just shows you it's an unreliable no, like, metric. I, I understand the volatility of it, but if, if Miller's volatility stays high for the rest of the year as a, as a PK save percentage, then 
Vancouver will take that for now. So, Absolutely. I, I don't argue that. I just wouldn't um, rely on something like that. No, look, they, they're going to have to hope that, that him or Lack get a little better at even strength because, like you said, you, you can't – I mean, their power play should be able to cover for that poor even strength safe percentage, though. That's so low, though. No, I know that's not great. Anything Miller's tied not. for the league lead and wins. That just goes yeah. to show you, like, don't even pay attention to that anymore. There's so many better ways to evaluate goaltenders. Don't do not do that to yourself. Don't look at wins. It's just... I don't think I've, I have to be, I don't think I've ever looked at wins when I've wanted to know what I've thought of guys. I've always looked at the goals against and I've always looked at the save percentage and I've, I've sort of tried to match them up to see who's getting a lot of shots. This is just off the NHL website. I've never, and then you get there, you'll go, oh, they've won X amount of games, or oh, they've won X amount of games. You know what I mean? It's not like you go, oh, they've won these amount of games, and then you look at the other stats. I've always treated goals against and save percentage as the sort of the, the key factors. But even goals against, I would consider it a, a team metric more so than an individual one. No, I can I can appreciate that, but they're the two stats that I, I would look at first before I would think of wins, because I've always thought of wins as a team stat. Um, you know, the only time you can kind of half make the argument that the wins are goalie stat is when it moves to the shootout, but you still need your teammates to score at the other end. I think I look at even strength save percentage most now, and um, war on ice. Dot com has an adjusted save percentage that they came out with and I'm going to have to look a little bit more into that but um, they they throw in a lot of different variables into um, how they come I up like with that. that stat Yeah, and it has the potential to be very interesting and more telling than goals against and wins for sure um so I'll, I'll have to keep my tabs on that. But as far as I'm concerned, even strength save percentage is the most reliable um, way to judge a goaltender these days. At, at, what, at what point do you think these stats are going to get blended into the NHL side? Even strength save percentage? Yeah. You can it, find it, it there. It's just more difficult to... Well, well that's probably what I mean. It's like... One of the things that's that's great is is the ease and accessibility. That's why um, Cap Geek's so great. The ease and accessibility of it. But that's a separate site to the NHL. All of these things should be able to be done by the Elias Stats guys. So it'll be interesting to see when and if they integrate all of this stuff. You know, I mean, the NHL should just buy everyone out and own it all themselves. Well, I think the teams have tried to buy them out. I think, was it the Oilers who were saying they bought them out to shut them up? <laughs> but Toronto, buy an extra skater, Daryl Metcalf. Yeah. You almost cried when that happened, didn't you? Yeah. I wasn't happy. <laughs> I, I suppose the positive of it was, you know, you get sites like War on Ice that I referenced just a little bit ago that popped up in, in the vacuum that was created 
from Extra Skater, but Extra Skater was really awesome. <laughs> you can hear it in your voice now. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> really good. But there are a lot of sites now that are really good. Um, but you kind of have to find... They all do something better than one of the other ones. So you just need to know so what you're you looking use, for. Yeah, so do you use a particular one for a particular stat and then a different site for a different... Yeah, I'm bouncing around yeah. a lot for, for specifics yeah. on a lot of it. Um, for like the team score adjusted Fenwick, there's Fenwick hyphen stats. Um, War on Ice is great. Progressive Hockey is another one. Um, stats.hockeyanalysis.com is that Dave Johnson runs is one of my go-to ones. So yeah. there's, you know, you got to bounce around to get what you need these days. But better it's to know like than to a, not. It's not like you're having to do it on foot. It's a couple of keystrokes and a click. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> a lot of a lot of different tabs up at the top of your uh, browser. Run, running out of space. So. Well, I, I think I'm topic down. How about you? For this week, yes. I think we are. I think we're good. Well. Um. Hopefully. The podcast I put up a couple of days ago, guys, was all right. Me on my own. It's a bit daunting and a bit scary, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's uh, not fun to do your own podcast for those that haven't done it. I did one a while ago. It was like 15, 16 minutes long. Felt like an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit scary when you're talking to yourself and trying to make sure you don't put too many ums and ahs in there. But, you know, I've been told that it wasn't terrible, so I might do a couple more as we go through and they'll start to sound a little better. Yeah. So, um, keep a lookout for, for those podcasts. Um, I know both of us have tried to write and keep up with some written content there. So, you know, keep it tuned to hockeyhurts.com. Make sure you follow Gunner at Gunner Stall. I'm at Walshy 66. We've got at hockey underscore Hertz. Um, I think that's all our social commitments, isn't it? I believe so. Well, that'll do it for this week. Um, until next Sunday. Catch you later. <laughs>